You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. I want to do something fun today. Instead of just having one guest, we're going to bring on a panel. This is something we haven't done here before. And here's my motivation. Looking back, now that we're at the tail end of 2022, we've had some incredible successes in life in general, but especially here on the podcast. And we've got a couple of people who have cracked the top 200 and the top 100 and even beyond that. Now, and I want to bring back those guests to share what it was that made them as successful as they were in getting the rankings up as high. What is it about their communication that made it hit those numbers? Because I want you to understand why I'm so impressed by this. Understand that Apple by itself. And of course, there's Spotify, Stitcher, and you know a whole bunch of other platforms where you may be getting your podcast today. But Apple itself has almost two and a half million total podcasts. And there are over 600 that are in our mini niche of business management, if you're going to you know the official categorization of sorts. And within the category, the first 100 themselves are almost permanently cemented into place by organizations with armies of marketers and production teams and whatnot behind them. So companies like Harvard Business Review has five in the top 100, I believe in the top 50. TED, the TED organization like TED Talks has two. McKinsey has another two. Accenture, LinkedIn, the Wall Street Journal, Chief, HubSpot, Fortune, eBay. I mean, it's almost like how do you compete with companies who have teams that do nothing but promote these podcasts? And even individuals who are massive brands like Grant Cardone, Patrick Lencioni has two of his own, Craig Rochelle, Dave Stahoviak, Adam Grant, and Grant Cardone. Huge, huge names. This is who we are competing against. And that's why I'm super excited that we've been able to say, ha, we're up there with you. So without further ado, let me make some introductions here and help you see why I am so excited about today's conversation. I want to start first with my guest from episode number 107, Kathy Govier, who's the chief marketing officer of Jeppy Family Industries. And Kathy, her episode ranked number 152 here on iTunes. Kathy, thank you for joining us today. Good morning. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So as Laura said, I am Kathy Govier, Chief Marketing and Communications Officer for Jeppy Family Enterprises. Jeppy is a network of about 30 companies and brands in the comics, games, toys, and collectible space. And in my role, I am responsible for the strategy, planning, and execution of the marketing and communication initiatives across the enterprise. And I'm going to throw in a little fun fact here. I think people might enjoy. I had a luncheon crashed by Dick Van Dyke. Ah, that's awesome. Because, you know, Dick Van Dyke Zoom bombs all the time over here. And I know it's, yeah, exactly. But what fun. Okay, so where were you that he just randomly showed up and was like, I think I'm going to eat your lunch? It's a great story. So, as part of my role before I joined Jeppy, I was with Warner Media. And my team was responsible for helping TCM with their film festival, specifically a lot of their events as part of the festival. 
And TCM does a handprint and footprint ceremony for certain celebrities every year as part of it. This was 2017. They were doing Carl and Rob Reiner. After the handprint and footprint ceremony, my team would put a luncheon on for them at Musso and Frank, which is a okay well-known restaurant in Hollywood right there on the Strip. And it's a star-studded luncheon, typically. Billy Crystal was there. It's very fun. Of course, these are all comedians, very fun group. And my head of security came over and said, um, Dick Van Dyke is here and he would like to join the luncheon. I said, are you kidding me? He said, nope. Like, I'm not kidding you. So you can't really say no to that. I know. So then I went over to Rob Reiner and I said, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but Dick Van Dyke is here and he would like to join your luncheon. And he looked at me and said, are you kidding me? And I said, no, I'm not kidding you. So I went out and he said, absolutely, bring him in. So I went out and got Dick Van Dyke and escorted him into the luncheon. And hopefully took a whole lot of photographs and, and some video in the yeah. process. What a great, great experience. Great. That was, was a lot great. of fun. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for joining us here today. I'm super excited. Happy to be here. And let's go on to our second guest from episode number 118, Dana Reingout. She is the VP of Partner Marketing at NBC Universal. And Dana's episode ranked number 144 on iTunes. Dana, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much, Laura. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you back. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Great. So I've been with NBC Universal for almost 20 years. Some people call that a lifer. <laughs> but in my role as vice president of partner marketing, I work with TV providers to make sure that their subscribers are aware of all of the shows that we have across all of the networks and platforms of NBC Universal. Nice. Fun fact about me I'm a bit of a theater nerd. My husband and I actually met on stage in high school, and we've been together ever since. I like to say that's why I'm so expressive. So sure. I'll try to avoid doing jazz. <laughs> nice. Your listeners won't see that. Well, they will if they tune on into the YouTube. So now everybody out there who's only listening on iTunes or on Stitcher or something, make sure you go and check out the YouTube recording of this as well, just in case there are some jazz hands that occur throughout the show. But Dana, the real question now, of course, is what was the show that you and your husband met while performing? It was called Harvey. I'm not sure. If Is that the one about the, the bunny, like the guy who, yes, yes, the, the yes. invisible bunny rabbit. Okay. I think I saw exactly. that at the Walnut Street Theater a couple of years ago. Was he Harvey the bunny? Well, he was the Jimmy Stewart character. Got it. Who, yes, Were you the bunny? Who, Harvey was his bunny. No. Okay. <laughs> I played his sister, actually. Got it. The one who was in the insane asylum or a different sister? Different, different sister. sister. I, my character's the all The same one. The same. <laughs> all right. But so now we understand there's some really important context here that may come up again later in the answers. So now you all have a background. So you know what to listen for if you're tuning in today. All right, moving on. Number three, Cindy Lewis. Cindy was my guest in episode number 105. She's the chief financial officer of Coho Partners. And her episode ranked a whopping 37. Take that, Adam Grant, Harvard Business Review Chief, and all those other organizations. Cindy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Laura. I'm really humbled to fact that I'm here today with you. Oh, we're thrilled to have you back. Yeah, tell everybody else a little bit more about you. Coho Partners is an independent employee-owned investment management firm whose focus is helping our clients meet their financial goals. And as chief financial officer, I ensure that our teams have the resources they need in order to do that. I'm also a board member of a fabulous organization called the National Association of Asian American Professionals, whose focus is on career advancement and leadership development of its constituents. 
That's beautiful. And if you spend any time with me and get to know me, you will learn that I am a huge fangirl of Mickey Mouse. (laughs) And uh, I tell everyone that when I grow up and I stop being a CFO, I plan on moving to Florida and becoming a Main Street greeter at Disney World. So if anyone needs any help planning their Disney vacation, please feel free to reach out. Oh, what fun. Okay. Disney (laughs) greeter in the making, in our midst. You heard it here first. Remember, you'll be able to tune in and say, I knew her when, before she gets that big time. All right, ladies, I have a question for you because I think a big part of why I started this podcast three years ago was the intention of thought leadership, being able to, of course, contribute greater value to the world where possible, but also wanting people to understand who I am and what I do and what I bring. And you know, thought leadership is really that. It's not just about being good at your job in your vertical, in your company. It's how are you expanding your reputation? How are you expanding your followership? And people who, when they think to themselves, I need advice from someone who acts, or I need input, I need participation from someone who's good at this or knows a lot about that. Who should we get for this panel at a conference, for this speaking engagement, for this, whatever it is, that your name should be the first one to pop up. And I think that's a lot of reason that many people are looking to get more involved in these kinds of events. So, you know, I invited each one of you to come here and I'm really curious how many of you had been on a podcast before mine? Not me. No podcast virgin. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) First time. Um, First timers. Okay. So how did you feel when you got the first invitation? Terrified. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Very nervous. Yeah. But I have to say, uh, podcasts in general, my favorite information medium, my favorite entertainment outlet. If I have earbuds in, I'm listening to a podcast, even if I'm on a jog. So for me, it was a bit of a bucket list item. So terrified, yes, but kind of thrilled. Good. Yes. And that's what we want, right? Happy butterflies. That's that's a good kind of butterflies. We don't want to kill the butterflies. We just kind of want them all to fly in formation. That's the goal. <laughs> well, Laura, you know, during our time together that I try to rationalize a lot of things for myself. And so first reaction was snowball's chance in hell that I was going to do this podcast. But then the professional, rational person said, perhaps this is a test of leadership. Leaders rise to a challenge. They're willing to accept risk. They're willing to bet on themselves. And I agree with you. This is an opportunity to really build on that personal brand. But it was actually a personal reason that tipped me over to why I was willing to do the podcast. Do tell. That my daughter at the time was thinking about joining her Model UN at school. And she had such nerves about it. She's like, I've never done this before. What if I embarrass myself? Do I have anything interesting even to share? And I was trying to give her that advice of like, well, what do you have to lose? You might learn something about yourself. You might have a lot of fun. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) I could be talking to myself. (laughs) And I knew Mm. in that moment that if I wanted to be a role model to my daughter, I had to be willing to uh, walk the talk. So I therefore um, decided to bite the bullet and and do this challenge. Did she listen to the episode, Cindy? Oh, it's it's funny you said that, Dana. She says yet to listen to the episode. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, when she does, she's going to be really proud. Yes. Yeah. She's going to be really proud. Mine was sort of similar, not from the, you know, a daughter going to this great opportunity, but for me, it was a way to challenge myself because throughout the course of my career, I have really mastered the art of putting forward other executives for panels, for interviews, for quotes, for awards, all those kinds of things. And I was very effective at that. And when this opportunity presented itself for me, 
you know, my initial reaction was, well, that's not my role. But then I thought, why can't it be my role? Why can't I be the one to be in front of the camera and to try to put into use some of the skills I've been coaching all of these years? So I took it as a personal challenge and uh, thought, same thing, you know, maybe I'll enjoy it. Maybe I'll actually have fun, which turned out to be the case. Thanks to you, Laura. So yeah, that's why I did it for me. I'd love to find out how many of you, like how, how many times did you talk yourself out of it before you actually did it? (laughs) Seven, eight, 542. (laughs) I will tell you one of the things I did was I started to tell people at first I thought, don't tell anybody and no one will listen, but I started telling people because then I could not back out. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so funny. External accountability. Isn't that a great system though? I'm, and I'm a big proponent of that. If there's a goal that I want to set or I want to have done it, I just don't want to do it, if that makes sense. Like yes. I, I want the experience mm-hmm. to already be there, but I know that leading up to it is going to be hard and I'm going to want to back out. But the more you tell other people, okay, I'm committing to this, everybody by this date, I'm going to have done X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Yeah. Then you don't want to back out because it's about consistency, right? Consistency of your brand, integrity, knowing that your word means something. And look, once you tell people, you can't back out. So great. Tip number one to everybody who's hesitating, go make the appointment or set the commitment and tell other people first. So I'm curious as to, was there anything else that you wanted to get out of being on the show? Or for that matter of any other show, was there something that you would have been on? I think I wanted the experience of being able to be or become a storyteller. I think, I I mean, as I mentioned, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I'm always impressed with how people can shape their stories. And I thank you, Laura, for helping me do that. And it almost became part of my personal brand and my personal story. And I didn't realize before, but the questions that you had asked were so thoughtful and just really helped me dig in to my own thought leadership story. That's great. I agree with that, Dana. I think for me, one of the things I gained from this process was how rewarding it was to be able to frame an experience in a very narrative storytelling way. Right. If you listen to my podcast, you would have heard that I shared how I found my leadership voice. And that required for me some level of authenticity about what was a rough time for me in my professional career. And it was really cathartic to be able to talk through that with Laura during the prep call, Mm -hmm. trying to figure out how do I frame this? How do I say this? So it didn't sound like a sob story. It didn't sound like this like defining moment. And what I really enjoyed through that prep call and then in the actual telling was actually to be able to make it an inspiring journey an influential journey in my professional career. And so after the podcast, I was I felt so it was such a milestone for me that I could actually talk about this period in my life in a way that generated that compelling storytelling. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious to know Cindy and everybody else can jump in on this as well. The notion of telling stories that are personal and allowing people to see you is a little bit risky, right? There's some vulnerability that comes in when you're going to tell about some of those lessons learned the hard way or some of the challenges you experienced or the inner critic voice that we all have at some point or other. A lot of people, I think, are afraid to share that kind of personal detail because they're afraid it will make them look weak, that it'll undermine their executive presence. And I'd be curious to know what advice you have for those people. Are those fears founded or is there a different experience that you got out of it or a different way to look at it? Can you show vulnerability and 
strengthen your executive presence and leadership image at the same time? I'm going to jump in and say, yes, you can, and you should, and you need to, because it's the reality of it all. None of us are perfect. We all make mistakes and we can still be leaders and being comfortable talking about those and being able to, to go back to Dana, what you said about the storytelling, to be able to talk about those in a way that people are going to listen and understand and it's going to resonate with them. I think it is so important. And especially as leaders, it helps you be a leader that people are going to want to follow if they feel that you're authentic and honest. And I, and so I think that that's really important. I couldn't agree more. I think the hard part is if the emotions are still very raw, right? In terms of that moment, I hate to use the word failure, but if you felt like you had this professional failure, the emotions just can still be so raw. And so the opportunity, I think when I talked about it being a cathartic to go through it with Laura was because I was able to talk about it, get those emotions out. And then, like I said, you have this gift, Laura, of helping frame things and make it sound logical and tell that narrative and remove the emotions in the retelling, uh, not completely remove the emotions, but you know what I mean? Like not the raw emotions, but the other kinds of emotions that inspire. I think that's why I felt like it was such a milestone for me is because I was able to do that retelling and wasn't still so raw and emotional for me. That's an important growth point, isn't it? To be able to distinguish those where you can share what the emotions were. You can still feel them, but not let them own you, not let them overwhelm you, but let them create that come through just enough that it's truly authentic. And I think when people are able to feel like, no, you're sharing your truth with me, that's very relatable. And that actually makes you more trustworthy. At least that's how it sounds to me when you're able to tell those stories. Uh, Anybody else want to weigh in on this? Yeah, I felt like in my episode, I did talk a lot about the weaving of my professional and personal life. And that's actually what I received the most comments about from people who listened of you talked a lot about your personal life and how that affected your professional work. And, you know, I think that that's what made it relatable. It made me really be able to have conversations afterwards about how to show up the best parts of your superpower that you have at home and how to bring that into the workplace. And, you know, I think that definitely made it relatable for a lot of people. I love that aspect of your podcast, Dana, when you talked about your family how they influence you professionally and vice versa. I definitely had taken that away and tried to figure out what was my family's love language in terms of how I can better communicate with them and also bringing that within the workspace. I thought that was a nice reflection of how you are a whole person, both professionally and personally. Thank you. It actually reminds me of your episode as well. And we had talked about this, the part where you talked about the advice that you received about the best way to show up in your role as CFO was to be like others. I don't want people to misinterpret that and feel like you're trying to be someone else instead of being yourself. Cindy, can you explain what was that advice and how is that relevant to helping you show up and be the best you while somehow channeling or otherwise thinking about how others show up? What does that mean? The bridge version was that I had just ascended to the CFO role and I was trying to be a leader, an executive in the room. And the advice I had received from someone was try to be like other people to get my messages across, try to speak their language and be like them. 
So what does it mean to be like them? Can you clarify that? I think the person was trying to convey, make myself relatable, make myself speak their language, find some commonalities, but that's not necessarily how I took it at the time. At the time, all I could think about was how I was nothing like the people in the room. And so I felt like I had to constantly be somebody else, try to emulate other people and their style and their communications. And that really started to play a role in deteriorating my self-confidence. And that came through in how I communicated. And so my lessons from that was that I needed to find my own voice, be my own person, to be more authentic to who I, who I was. And that was going to empower me to be the leader in the room. And instead, I was just really playing small because I felt like I couldn't achieve what I was being asked to do. Mm-hmm. I think that's a challenge for a lot of new executives. When you first show up, it's almost like, do I belong here? There's a little bit of imposter syndrome that everybody experiences. The feeling like I have to prove myself projecting a little bit onto others, perhaps, and assuming that they're judging us already as being not good enough or not ready or not belonging or not one of us, something along those lines, and then figuring out a way to get through to them to communicate in a way that they can hear, but still being ourselves. And it sounds like you were able to reconcile that need and finally find your groove. Did I hear that correctly? Yeah, I tend to be very high energy in meetings. And I felt like I had to push that down and try to show up differently. And I'm now trying to find myself embracing who I am and maybe be a bit more strategic about when I bring the energy in the room, but at the same time, still bring it. That's just who I am. And I think trying to be somebody else is just too difficult to sustain in the long run. Mm -hmm. Yes. And no one ever should try to be someone else regardless. You got to be you go with the prismatic voice. We talk about that in the book and all that kind of fun stuff. Just find the part of you that they're going to be best able to relate to and speak through that channel so that you can have that connection without losing who you are. So I'm curious now with regard to the process, what is something that you learned through doing this podcast experience? For me, it was about learning how to tailor communication styles. I know that this is a topic that comes up in multiple episodes, but for me, even when we were discussing the topics prior to the recording, I went through my elevator pitch and you were like, (laughs) so I think it's really important to be able to shape the message that you want to convey and really think about the audience that you're conveying it to. And that shows up at work every day for me. And that's important to be able to to speak the group's languages. And that's really relevant to what Cindy was just mentioning a moment ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think for me, I learned a couple of things. Number one, I learned that although I do best when I feel very well prepped, I can also do okay thinking on my feet. And that's an important kind of milestone for me. And I see Cindy smiling because, you know, I know she and I are both kind of spreadsheet queens. So we like that feeling of being well-prepared. But then also going back to the storytelling, learning how to tell a story in a compelling way. And one of the things that you pointed out to us, Laura, was when you're talking about a specific example that relates to you personally, make sure you're talking about it in terms of I versus you, Mm -hmm. the generic you. And it was something that I hadn't really thought about before saying, you know, for example, I went to the store and and I bought milk and then this happened and then this other thing happened instead of saying, so when you go to the store and you buy milk, and I noticed since then that other people who I think are good storytellers, that's how they do it too. 
and maybe you talk to them as well. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, your entire grocery store. I planted us. <laughs> Laura gets around everywhere. But it was it was a little aha moment for me. And it's definitely something that I have carried through. And when I am presenting to groups, for example, we had a retailer summit a few weeks ago. And I had to present to the customer base in the morning. And if I'm telling a story, I'm really thinking about how am I telling that story and trying to make it personally relatable so that people are interested. Yes. And that was a big takeaway for me. I love that. That's a one that I think a lot of people struggle with. As leaders, most people have been conditioned to talk less about yourself and more about your team, make it about the others, make it the we, make it whatever. But yes. when you're sharing a story... And when it's almost like if you've got teenagers or if you've had teenagers, if you've been a teenager, then it's almost like if you try to give them advice and say, you know, if you're going to do this, you really should think about this. And you and they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wah, 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 wah. Don't tell me what to do. Whereas if you're giving the information through sharing your own experience and saying, look, honey, when I had this problem, here's what I found was the biggest challenge. And I was really worried about these things and I was trying to figure this out and here's where I made a mistake and here's what I realized I needed to do. And when I did this, things went better. They'll go, oh, okay. Well, gee, and then they'll take note. Like, well, I certainly don't want to step in it the way you stepped in it. So I'm going to avoid that pitfall. And if that works for you, okay, maybe I'll take note about that did work for somebody and I'll know that that's an option for me too. It's like, as long as you don't tell them what to do, they'll do it. But if you tell them what to do, they'll deliberately do the up. It's very odd. But in storytelling in the podcast world, I, I have found that it makes a difference. And so just being able to make the lesson more about how you learned it than what they should learn somehow gets the job done better. So thank you for bringing that up, Kathy. Yep. I'm going to say every time I speak to you, Laura, I'm learning something new. And now I have to try to <laughs> communicate with my daughter differently this week, this evening. <laughs> <laughs> I think what I learned from the process, we alluded to the prep calls, Laura, that you do with each of your podcast guests. And what I really enjoyed through that, that process, that experience was the iterative nature of the prep call. I knew the points of stories I wanted to tell. I would share them with you and you would help me think about a different turn of phrase or really emphasize this particular point. And I actually had a, a really big presentation last week that was trying to deliver a very complex concept to a very broad audience. And I actually found myself leading up into that presentation, speaking to colleagues of mine and saying, well, if I said this, how does that sound to you? If I said X, Y, and Z, does that resonate with you? I'm trying to say A, B, and C. Can you help me think about how to say that? And so I think 100% of the time that I ask for someone's opinions, it gets to a better, more concise delivery. And even if those colleagues aren't giving me the words to say, because many times they won't, it's actually in the verbalizing it that I can hear myself say it, that I know I have to make some tweaks or adjustments because it's not coming out just right. So I've taken that away as the iterative process of it. That's fantastic. And so as a little metacognitive out-of-body experience learning point, everybody out there who's listening, go back and think about how you just experienced Cindy telling that point when she goes back and shares these ideas with her colleagues or asks for input on this, the results that she gets, how it makes her feel better. How many of you just made a mental note? and said, gee, I think I'll do that. I haven't tried that with my colleagues yet. I've got a presentation coming up. I think I'll try this instead. Why? Because she just shared what worked for you. She didn't tell anybody what to do. She just shared what worked for her and where she has found value. And you just made a little mental note. So this is where the power of storytelling comes in. You just did that perfectly. Thank you for demonstrating that. 
Cindy just brought up a good topic, which is what you took from the experience and applied to your job or elsewhere in life, even with your daughter coming up. And I'm curious as to, for everybody, what is something else that you've taken from the experience of being on the podcast and how has it helped you be a better leader? The biggest takeaway for me is just more confidence in being the one who's talking and relaying information and telling a story. You know, I talked earlier about how in my role, it's part of my job to put other people in front of the camera and I take a more behind the scenes kind of role. So that confidence, it it just permeates everything that you do after you start to kind of feel it. You know, we all talked about how nervous we were before we started and then how the preparation really helped talking through our answers and making sure that we felt confident and comfortable in how we were delivering them. And then actually watching our episodes afterwards. I know when mine came out, I sent it to somebody before I even watched it. I was like, oh God, okay, here it is. I'm going to send it. And then I got such a positive response from it. Then I watched it. And (laughs) And then I was like, you know what? That actually was pretty good. I was pretty proud of myself. So that confidence has just carried through in the day to day. So that was an important milestone for me. I love that, Kathy. I know we talked about the fact that for the 90 minutes of the recordings that we did, many of us didn't remember a single moment (laughs) of it. So to be able to afterwards listen to it and then feel pretty good about it afterwards is... (laughs) Yeah, it's also a good icebreaker. Hey, I was on a podcast. (laughs) I actually had a surreal experience. We have a group of interns that come in every fall and every spring. And the latest batch of interns came in and set up all of their informational interviews with senior leadership. And, you know, they just set up a half an hour on your calendar and they want to hear about you and how you made it to the company and what your experience is. And a couple of weeks ago, I had an intern who came in very prepared and said, um, I actually listened to your podcast episode and I have a few questions for you. <laughs> so- That's great. <laughs> I love that. Oh, how cool. What fun. Yes. And he actually talked through how he did the challenge that I put forth on the episode and what his experience was from it. Oh, yeah, it was. That's great. You're molding minds, Dana. How cool is that? (laughs) It was great. Yeah, definitely a good icebreaker. And it certainly shows you they did their homework, right? They came mm-hmm. in to talk to you. They said, who am I meeting? I'm going to meet with Dana. Let me learn about Dana. Oh, she, I'm going to listen to that podcast. I'm going to have something to talk to her. I'm going to try her challenge. That's somebody who did their homework. That's impressive. Yes. He wins <laughs> for most prepared intern informational, 100%. That's great. Yes. Okay. Kathy shared how she felt after finally hearing it. Dana and Cindy, how did you feel? We know how you felt beforehand. Uh, nerves and things kicked in. Pool of sweat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> pull all that. Right, then in the middle of it, you know, Cindy mentioned blacking out a couple of times and all these things. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking, nobody worry. Didn't actually happen. But the afterwards, when all mm. was said and done, the episode drops, you see it pop up on your screen, on your phone or wherever it was. What were you thinking? And then when you listened, what was your reaction? I wasn't prepared for the whole pop-up on the screen notification part, (laughs) but I will never forget that. I was standing in my bathroom doing my makeup and I had my phone on the vanity and it popped up and it was a moment, you you know, your podcast episode dropped. It was definitely cathartic. I think, uh, you know, a few of you already said that word to describe it, but I think that's a really great word. 
it was the stamp on the accomplishment of getting it done. And then actually listening to it. I mean, no one likes the sound of their own voice. I mean, I, I certainly don't like the sound of my own voice. So it was very surreal. But we had a conversation and people listened and we we shared really good tips and stories. And, you know, it was just a cathartic experience. That's great. Were you happy with what you heard? I was. I was happy with it. I felt like the prep call mattered for sure, as we've all been saying. And I was very focused on getting my points across beforehand. And I honestly did not realize that I did until we heard it because of that whole blackout period. (laughs) But yes, I was I was definitely happy with it. I wanted to send your editing team a fruit basket because I feel like they (laughs) they made it so wonderful and magical and that I, I sounded coherent. I was relieved that I didn't embarrass myself and pleasantly surprised Laura afterwards when you told me how well the episode did. I think it was a sense of accomplishment for me to rise to that challenge I talked about that to me was a characteristic of a leader. And I was really trying to challenge myself to do it and talk myself into doing it. So once it had dropped and I actually heard it, that was a sense of I had fears, I had concerns, but I did it anyways. And that was a really amazing thing to feel. That's the definition of courage, right? In the end, it's Mm -hmm. not about being fearless. Nobody's fearless. Being courageous is about feeling the fear and doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Not letting that stop you and not staying in the comfort zone, stepping out and look at the success you've had since, which is amazing. <laughs> Kathy, how about you when you finally heard it? Well, I think, like I said earlier, I was proud of it. I felt very proud of it that I had conquered the fear. I had put it aside and prepped. Again, prep to me was a, a big piece of me feeling comfortable going into it. I was very proud. And then also super pleased when I found out how it performed, you know? Um, that was great. Yes, that was great. And I also, Dana, had people contacting me who listened and said, I did your challenge. My challenge was for people to get reviews on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. request LinkedIn reviews. And I had several people who contacted me and told me that they had done it. And I thought that was fantastic. You know, so it felt like a little bit of helping other people, giving back. It was a very good feeling. There's something really beautiful when someone contacts you and says, Hey, I just want you to know you made a difference. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you can tell they can tell you exactly what the difference was. I listened to you. I followed this advice. I did this challenge, whatever. But here's the impact that you've made on me forever. That's the beautiful part of it. Because that's really why we're doing it, right? We all want to pay it forward or pay it back or however you want to, whichever direction you want to pay something. But the notion of contribution to the wider community. And that tells you the thought leadership is expanding. And that's what we're aiming for. Now, my final question to each of you is what's one piece of advice you'd like to pass on to anybody out there? who might think that they'd like to be on a podcast, but are a little too afraid, nervous, shy, hesitant, uh, guarded, call it what you will, to actually do it? Well, I'll jump in and I'll say, if after listening to us, you don't know that you can't get over your fear and just do it, then listen to this again, (laughs) because um, that would be my advice is to just do it. You know, find the right podcast for the message that you want to deliver or the topic that you want to discuss that has the right host who's going to give you the prep work that's going to guide you through the process. Laura, again, for first time people on a show, you really, really made us comfortable. And that is a tribute to you and your experience in this medium. So find the right podcast, find the right host, do the prep work, and then have fun Mm -hmm. and just do it and just do it. You're going to be great. Yeah. I love that last part about having fun. Mm -hmm. 
(laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would also add, if you have any fears about doing it because of what you think you don't have to share, just trust that you have a unique perspective that others will relate to. You have a story to share and people will certainly appreciate hearing it. And do the prep call. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Do the prep. I think I was so worried that I wouldn't have anything insightful to say. What could I say that hasn't been said before? And I listened to many of Laura's past guests in preparation for my podcast. And I'm like, oh, can't say that. (laughs) Oh, that's already been talked about. But a close friend of mine had said to me, what was the best advice that I've received from a boss, mentor, or friend? What was an insight that I had learned from someone that had inspired me? Now, take that advice and insight, and how did I live that in my life? How did I experience that? And it was individualizing these best advice and insights that I've received and coupling that with my personal experience was what was going to make a compelling story and that was going to make the compelling thought leadership. So I didn't have to feel this pressure of coming with something that no one has ever talked about before. This was about sharing the best advice I've ever received professionally and marrying that with my personal experience. And so that would be my advice is you do have something insightful and compelling to share. You just have to think about it maybe in that frame. Mm-hmm. That's how you be you, Cindy. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it took me a while to get there. So. <laughs> and Cindy, as usual, had a method. She had a system. She yeah. figured out the system and she followed the system from start to finish. So perfect. 100% Cindy, authentic from start to finish. Ladies, this has been a lot of fun. Please give everybody out there a sense of how they can follow you, how they can learn more about you, about your company. Where do we go for more information? You can follow me on LinkedIn, Kathy Govier, and you can also check out my company at jeppyfamilyenterprises.com. Terrific. Dana? You can also find me and follow me on LinkedIn as well as NBC Universal. And you can also check out NBCUNICareers.com for any career opportunities you might be interested with NBCU. Great. Cindy? You can find me and Coho Partners on LinkedIn, uh, as well as you can find Coho Partners at cohopartners.com. Perfect. Well, ladies, this was so much fun. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us, Laura. Thank you. Such a pleasure. Thank you. And to everybody else out there, thank you as always for listening in. Be sure to subscribe if you are new to the show so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, wherever you get your podcasts so we can help even more people to increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my free guide to equipment recommendations for virtual influence, including my picks for microphones, lights, and more, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. 
the hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.